Your life is the sum of all choices you make, both consciously and unconsciously. If you run control, the process of choosing, you can take control of all aspects of your life. You can find the freedom that comes from being in charge of yourself. Robert Foster Bennett. Every episode, I'd like to start with a powerful quote. Today, we cover HRT and TRT for both men and women alike. We want to empower people to take control of their lives. And part of our goal at Mission at Harfax Fitness is to help educate and empower people to feel better, look better, and be confident in every aspect of their lives. Welcome to episode four, Hormone Replacement Therapy. You know, I'm just going to be raw, guys, and I'm going to tell you guys, it's been a long week. We started a recording earlier, and, you know, it didn't only record. Only 30 minutes in. We were only 30 minutes in. Chris was just nailing our questions. Everything was fluid, <laughs> but and I we're, realized we weren't recording. We're going to do it again. I'm going to introduce Chris. Chris, thank you for being a part of our episode today, man. I appreciate you being on. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background again, and uh, for the for listeners, sure. and uh, listen. Yeah. Let's try to get back to what we're growing. We're growing so well, man, covering some good stuff here. So I apologize to you guys, and we can go from there. Oh, no problem. Yeah, so thank you guys for having me. I'm excited about being here and, and, and talking more about TRT and hormone optimization and all of this. I love this stuff. I can talk about this all day long. So um, I got started. I um, do a third round just in case, you know. Uh, hey, I'm down. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> so um, so I, I got started more from uh, on a personal level as, as a patient, but, you know, I've always been in medicine um, and, you know, I, I've um, I practiced like orthopedic surgery, um, general and vascular surgery, um, pain management, um, emergency medicine, like I've done research in different different aspects and stuff. So so I've always been all over the, um, the health and fitness side, just from a personal level. Uh, lifting weights, basketball, and different sports activities and stuff like that. So when I, when I just as a very active type A, very busy person, um, when I hit around, uh, I'd say like uh, 27, 28, you know, I started getting a lot of side effects, a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, or a lot of symptoms, I mean, of um, fatigue, just really, really tired, um, caffeine dependence. I had to be on caffeine all the time, coffee, um, you know, Red Bull, whatever, um, pre-workouts, like, like crazy, um, you know, my motivational level, I didn't even feel like going in the gym anymore. I didn't even feel like doing projects or doing things. My mental sharpness was, was, was fading away. And like, and I, it, it was really, really rough, you know, and, but I just dealt with it. Like a lot of people do, we just deal with it because we feel like, well, you know, you're 30 now or you're 40, whatever age, you know, you just, you're getting older. So, you know, it's going to be like that life is tough. Nobody wants to hear you complain. So you just keep pushing, keep on the grind, you know? And, um, and I realized that like, you know, at some point I was like, wait a minute, something's got to be wrong. So I started, and then with, with all of my medical background, I couldn't think of anything that fit, you know, that, and I thought about all kinds of, you know, issues and illnesses and diseases. Cause that's what I do. You know, I diagnose people and I couldn't figure my own self out. You know, so um, I started asking a couple of friends that I trust and they couldn't figure out anything. Well, Chris, you're just getting old, man. You just, you know, you know, and, and it's like, well, I don't, I'm only, I'm only 30. You know, what are you talking about at the time? So, um, so I ran into somebody that, that finally, you know, who actually wasn't a medical person that said, Hey, why don't you check your testosterone level? So I got my labs done and sure enough, my total testosterone at the time was 141. So it was uh, super low for you. For those of you that don't know, that's about at the level of what most people would consider an average 95 year old man. 
you know? Um, so it was ridiculous. And um, I got on therapy and it, and it literally completely turned my life around. I mean, in, in so many ways, my mental sharpness, just getting up, you know, sleeping through the night, getting up and mm -hmm. wanting to attack my day was like massive, like everything, not only, not, not even talking about the physical attributes of it, but um, you know, it, so it was, it was amazing. And so I, when it was such a, a shock to my, um, my medical skills, I was like, I couldn't figure this out. And it's so huge. <laughs> like what the heck, you know, so I had to learn more and more and more about it. So like that, that's kind of what started. Eventually I got, I got an opportunity to, um, to run the clinical side of a hormone therapy clinic. And uh, then I met up with Sam and we started um, Viking. Um, so like, you know, things have been just going like gangbusters. And uh, so it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun helping people with the same issues that I've had. I think that's important to know. Um, I'm, I'm a Chris is my PA and everything I, I basically, whenever I have issues, I always go to Chris and we put a, a game plan together. And I think it's a good idea for for people that are feeling the same symptoms that I was feeling that maybe uh, Chris was feeling. And, and, and having, having a really good relationship with your PA where you can, you can relate to some of the issues that, that we, that us, I mean, I'm 43 and it really literally changed my life when I went on TRT. Uh, my energy level, my muscle density, every aspect of my life changes, you know, your workouts are better. And it's very normal to have those, those uh, energy levels decline as you get older. But I feel like I'm much better at 43 than I was at 35 when my, my Oh, definitely, man. Yeah, it's, me too. Yeah. It changes your life. Um, I had a friend of mine and, and I'm going to jump to this, this situation. I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who um, reached out to me after, and he was going through some of those issues and he went to see a doctor and I'm not a big fan of Western medicine, by the way. I just, I have issues with certain doctors. For the record, for medical reasons, we are not telling you ever to not listen to your doctor. And Absolutely. we are not medical doctors, although Chris is. However, yeah. we just may so not I'll probably say that. <laughs> I'm, sharing, I'm sharing what I think because I've your gotten, opinion. I, I've had, a, that is my opinion. I've had some really bad experience with some of the doctors. I mean, I, for example, I, let, me, let me jump out of my whole friend situation. I had another friend who actually went to his doctor, his regular doctor, and his doctor gave him one gram of, t of testosterone, one gram, one gram of testosterone injection and the, the, the guy calls him the next the next week and says i'm putting on like 18 pounds i'm bloated i feel like i'm not joking chris this is legit this is legit stuff <laughs> that's good and when i heard that's it good. i said this is your doctor this is your doctor. that's awesome it's it's yeah. it's awesomely stupid is what it is um, <laughs> so my friend goes goes to see his doctor and his doctor says you're, you're fine. Right. And I asked him, so, I mean, what, what's going on in your life? He goes, I'm just not feeling good. I'm not myself. I'm going to be 40 next, uh, next month. And uh, I said, well, did you run labs? He goes, yeah, I ran labs. My, my doctor ran labs. And what are your, what are your readings? He says, well, my testosterone reads like 330 or 341 or whatever, 350, whatever it was. And that's really low. But this doctor said, well, you're within range. So I can't do anything about it at that time. I mean, the guy's, he's like five ten. he was 289 and he wasn't a guy that works out. He was a smoker. Yeah. He was a smoker. Yeah. Drinks, and he's just feeling like his whole life is just not a lifestyle that that's good for you. To be honest with you, yeah. so then he he sends him to a nutritionist, and the nutritionist basically tells him, you know, you need to uh, sleep more, drink more water, and cut the carbs. Maybe go on a salad diet, and that was it. So he reached out to yeah. me, and I said, hey, 
talk to Chris, go to Viking, get your testosterone levels checked yeah. and, and refined and tuned because it's not about the number. And I, I totally agree with what you have said before, Chris. It's about how you feel because I usually, and we've had this discussion, I run high tests. My levels are pretty high. But the way that I was feeling when I was going through my issues, I wasn't feeling normal. Like my energy levels just weren't there. So for Gen Pop that are, are contemplating, you know, thinking about, hey, maybe I don't, I don't feel good. Something's not right. You as a man, you kind of know this. Go get, your, go get your testosterone levels checked and go to somebody that you trust or maybe that's recommended uh, that understands hormones, that, that has seen hundreds of patients that can help you. Uh, so share a little bit about the stigma, uh, Chris, that you have seen with people wanting to go into, into hormone replacement therapy. Uh, how do you assess them, et cetera, et cetera? One thing that you said made me think about this and um, just, just kind of talking about Western medicine versus like more um, uh, alternative forms or, or just thinking outside the box. Western medicine is not good at that, generally speaking um, at all. Um, and we're just not trained that way. And I was trained in uh, predominantly Western medicine, like, you know, uh, set up. So it, it's kind of like, I, I describe it kind of like this, like, if you have a car and, um, and your car is a little bit older, you know, it needs a tune up. It's not running as good as it used to, you know, and it's like, you know what, I, I really want, you know, to be able to have some fun with my car, maybe take it to the racetrack on the weekends, you know, nothing professional, but I want to like open it up a little bit and you take your car to, I don't know, Jiffy Lube. All right. You take your car to Jiffy Lube for a 10 minute oil change. You know, that's kind of like taking your car or taking your body to the primary care doctor. You know, they're there to help you if anything, like they're okay or decent if something really bad is happening, you know, but um, maybe to help fix you or to change your oil and then you're in and out in 10 minutes. So it's kind of like if you've ever asked your primary care doctor, like, doc, what can I do to feel awesome? Like, I don't feel awesome. I, I want to feel better. I want to, I want to, you know, perform better. I want to, I want to have more energy. I want to be able to have like better, better uh, sex drive, better, you know, your doctor's going to look at you a lot like that mechanic at Jiffy Lube. And he's like, you, you know, man, you're a Jiffy Lube. You know, you got 10 minutes for an oil change. Like, <laughs> you're fine. Like, your car moves down the road. So you're good enough. You know, get out of here. Pay your copay. You know, so, and that, that's very much how it is, you know. So, um, uh, so the whole idea of, of expecting, you know, that you're going to get really awesome results from, uh, from a primary care doctor. It's just not in their, in their operational design. I hate to say it that way. Cause these things take time. Like Ron knows, like the, you know, going through this stuff, you know, it, it takes time and a, and a special type of performance tuner to be able to, you know, really place these things where they need to be, you know, Western medicine does really good with diseases. And I think they do a poor job with syndromes, like meaning like clusters of symptoms that don't necessarily fall in like a medical like disease. They have a hard time with like optimizing and looking at lifestyle, looking at different factors to, you know, fix a series of symptoms, like in a syndrome. Does that make sense? Like you see a lot with like irritable bowel disease versus irritable bowel dis like d disorder where you have more, it's more symptoms and bloating and uh, mi misdiagnosed SIBO and like all that kind of stuff. When it's a series of symptoms and it's not just one thing, they have a hard time being like, this is what we're going to do about it. Because again, like you said, you kind of have to dig and look at a very, very big picture and it's just not where, where their wheelhouse is particularly. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really hard to do that. Like as a practitioner, and I know this, it's really, if, if in an eight hour day, if you have to see 40 patients in an eight hour day, like how can you invest that kind of time? You know, you just, you just, 
you, you just you can't you gotta you gotta do you you gotta get everybody you know everybody's numbers need to be average you know and get them going but i've yet to have somebody come to me and say chris i really need help i really need you to help me feel average you know i want to be like dead center you know I'd like you know nobody nobody really wants to want i that, would like you know? to be just below average slightly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not what we do here guys i I'm mean like an we, average yeah. sex life and an average job <laughs> and an average bank account please we've talked about that we've talked about that uh, our, our mission part of our mission is we don't want you to be average man average is bullshit for us so mm. i know you're listening for a reason and that's because you don't you want to take control of your life and you want to improve your life and maybe you don't know how to and this is this is the message that we're trying to relate to you guys we're trying to help you improve your life biohack your life take control of it get your hormone i always say get your hormones checked and it's big for women too i think we talk a lot about like trt and testosterone and hrt in men and like a lack of sex drive, like being tired all the time, forgetfulness. Like there's a lot of things, anxiety and depression that go along with having low hormones and it can happen at any age. It happened to me super young. I was about 29. It was after I had my daughter and a series of stuff happened and all my hormones tanked. And that really is just shitty when you're like 30 and you have zero sex drive. Like it really just puts you in a bad place. And I was tired all the time and like, like not really like depressed, but just kind of like like bum, like, is this my quality of life now that it's, it is. And it took a while for me to actually like lock it down. And it's hard because like they were saying, like, it's not a medical diagnosis that people are looking at. And, uh, you know, no doctor's like, oh, well, you don't have a great sex drive. This is what I got told. Try a different position. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, (laughs) thanks. That that was super helpful, doc. I appreciate your help. Now, search for help, guys. If you guys are going through any of these symptoms, tiredness, fatigue, or you're starting to put a lot of weight on, especially in your, in your stomach area, um, search for help. I mean, reach out to us. You know, Team Amino Pure, we're here to help not only with, with supplementation, but in every aspect of life. We can recommend some really good doctors. And Chris is one of somebody that I truly, truly trust and appreciate for everything he's done. he's done. One of the things that he said earlier was it takes time to dial somebody in. It's not one solution fits all. So you have to be patient to allow your, your physician or whoever is doing your TRT work to fine tune you. And once you're fine tuned, don't touch it <laughs> because that's, op- <laughs> that's optimal for your life. You know, a lot of yeah. times we start, we start, we start messing with, with certain PEDs and, and we throw our bodies completely out of whack. And then you have to go back to Chris and Chris will say, well, why did you do this? Right. Um, and we got, we have to fix you again, but, uh, Work on building a good relationship with somebody that you trust and make sure they're qualified and your, your, your comfort and your quality of life will improve. I promise you it will improve. And if you're listening out there, you have doubts, do it, man, or ladies, just do it. Go, go get checked, get somebody that's, that's on there. So let me uh, follow through on that. Share a little bit about how you handle women. How do you handle the ladies? Um, I know it's obviously a different type of protocol, but share a little bit about what you see, what patterns you see in women. Look at Sonia getting all amped up. She actually. <laughs> so when it when it comes to um, female hormone replacement, I um, I, I like. I, I really like medical history, you know, I like kind of going back and I think, well, what did they used to do back in the day for stuff like that? You know, I I just, I'm always curious about stuff like that. That's just me geeking out. Uh, Estrogen therapy, you know, or estrogen medicine, medications like that, that started to come out, you know, I guess in the, in the eighties, really, that's when it became more prevalent, mid eighties and nineties. So, so what would happen was like a, a, a woman would come in, let's say 47, 48 years old. 
you know, um, and going to their either their GYN doctor or their primary care doctor, who at the time were predominantly men um, and which didn't understand really, the, you know, being a woman at all. Um, you know, besides what's out, what's in a book and say, doctor, I'm, I'm not feeling at my best. I'm feeling, you know, moody, hot flashes. I'm up and down all the time. I can't sleep. I'm staring at the ceiling. You know, I have no energy, no sex drive at all. And, you know, and, and the doctor would either say the majority of the time, all the years before that, you know, all doctors would just say, well, you're just getting older. You know, you're just, you're, you're an old lady now. You don't, why are you having sex? You're old now. You know, and, um, you know, they would literally tell them stuff like that. And then so but but then they would if they were going to offer a treatment, this was this was seriously, this was the, the medical thought process. And unfortunately, it, I hear this still today from medical practitioners, you know, not very often, but I still hear it and it kind of drives me crazy. Um, well, you're a female. So estrogen is the female hormone. Testosterone is the male hormone. So if you're having any kind of hormonal problems at all we're going to diagnose you as just being hormonal. You just need more estrogen. Boom. There you go. Have a nice day. And, I, and the, the idea of that is, it just blows my mind. Um, when in reality, it, it's when, when you start seeing enough men and women, you notice that the symptoms are so incredibly similar, you know, between low T in men and low T in women, or just if we don't even consider the, the, the actual type of hormone, just the, um, the menopause andropause, or just the degradation of hormones as we go along. It, they're so similar. Fatigue, you know, the, um, the low libido, the, the brain fog, brain fog is so bad, like the moodiness, you know, the weight gain, you know, the, um, the difficulty with, uh, with exercise, you know, and, and so many different, so many different aspects of things that, that go on in the background that actually do perpetuate serious medical issues like obesity and, and hypercholesterolemia and diabetes. We won't even get into all that stuff. So the, um, so the only thing that's really different, that's really that different between men and women when it comes to HRT is the sensitivity. So it's going to sound a little weird, but women are more sensitive to testosterone than men. And men are more sensitive to estrogen than women. The reason why I say that is it's kind of like spicy food. Like if you're really sensitive to spicy food, you only need a little bit. You know, you only need a little bit of spice in your food. You know, so that's that's women when it comes to testosterone. So their levels, their numbers are different. You know, so that's why, you know, for women, they can be and women are very they, there's much more variance in women than men. But women can be in the, you know, optimized 75, 150, 300, 350, you know, in that range of total testosterone and be very well optimized and do great, you know, depending on the female, like everybody's a little different, but somewhere in that range. It's funny you say that. So I have a friend of mine. She basically was doing TRT and she was feeling great. And all of a sudden she just decided I'm going to stop because I went to my, my, my primary doctor and her readings are 110. Okay. And for her, she feels like shit. And because her doctor says, you don't need it. You're, you don't need it. You're, you're too high. And I go back to her and I tell her, too high for whom? How do yeah, you, there you go. Yeah. too high for whom? Yeah. And I get into these arguments with her and I say, everyone is so different. In my, oh, yeah. And she says, I've always ran high testosterone anyway. So I said, why did you stop cold turkey? Every symptom that you have is because you're crashing. Well, my doctor says 110 is too high. And I said, it's not too high for you. It may, be, yeah. it may be low for you. So having that correlation and having women understand that it's the same thing as it is for men is it's not the number, it's how you feel and what, it, what that means to you. 
right? That's important. So what, what do you say when, 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 I mean, I know that earlier you talked about the numbers, right? You don't even look at the numbers. First, you want to know how the person actually feels, the correlation between, hey, I feel like these are my symptoms. And then you look at the labs and say, okay, let's try this, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you handle estrogen when it comes to men versus women? I know you talked about the sensitivity side aspect of things, yeah. but how do you control that? So, so let me just touch on like that situation because a lot of people uh, get that kind of attitude, you know, from their, from their medical provider. And, and, and so I always, I always recommend, and maybe I'm just a little sarcastic, but like, I always recommend people to, to ask. And, and nowadays, like um, when you're being rushed in and out of a rotating door, like type clinic, like, you know, your doctor spends like 2.5 minutes with you, you know, you have to like advocate for your own care, you know? So if anybody ever says anything to you like that, you're too high, then don't be afraid to ask, okay, well, how high is too high? Well, anything over a hundred. Okay. Well, what happens, what happens when you're over a hundred? Like, tell me what happened and, and make them sit there and explain that to you. And if it doesn't make sense to you, if they can't break that down and take the time to, to really, you know, to, to communicate to you what happens and how that really works and why that's definitely going to happen to you. And are there any other conditions that are out there? Because this is something helpful to you. Then you need to run and find somebody else. <laughs> I hate to say it that way, no, but it, it's true. It, it's so true. And, and I actually had another, not discussion, but interchange, exchange of words with somebody who said, you know, if you, for the ladies, if you have two ladies, two females, they're both at, let's say, 45 estrogen, whether it's good or bad or whatever it is. They're both at 45. The way that they both feel at 45 could be completely different. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You have to think about more of, okay, how do I feel at 45? And then talk to somebody that understands that. And that's mm -hmm. in this whole topic of how you feel is very important because I think a lot of people are being misdiagnosed. And, and it's actually hurting your quality of life. I know that, Sonia, yeah. you have, you've, had, you've heard some cases probably more than I have, right? Absolutely. I take on, so um, Chris, I don't know if you know too much of my background, but and, and even for the people listening, I work a lot with gen pop women, a lot of um, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and I see a lot of hormonal dysfunction. Um, and it's not just estrogen dominance. It's a lot of low T going on, a lot of thyroid issues going on. And, you know, one of the, one of the hardest things I think too, is it's like, like I said, we just kind of accept like where our sex drive is sometimes. And we're like, Oh, but that is actually a really good indicator. Like I asked mm -hmm. my clients that on their check-ins, like, how are your hormones? How's your sex drive? Because as we start to repair the body that starts to go up, not for everyone. Um, and, and so I kind of, I, I, I've got a question for you and it's kind of on, on for me because I feel like I'm almost a non-responder. Have you ever seen, and this is that, that bullshit, right? Where it's like, you're on HRT and I got put on HRT early, but it was almost like my body wasn't responding. Have you seen people who are on HRT and it doesn't necessarily change their levels? Uh, yes. Yes. So there, there's, but there are, so that, that's, that's a very complicated question because okay. every time getting levels getting your labs done is kind of like a snapshot. It's like yeah. a photo. Okay. So if you've ever been to the beach and you know, you see waves going like your testosterone, every time you get a testosterone injection, say, for example, it's, it's like a, it's like a wave. Okay. But everybody's wave is a little different. Some people metabolize their testosterone so fast. So, you know, but it might hit them really fast too, faster than the next person. So if your photo spot is right here and they just go up and they go down, it's going to look like you've got no testosterone in you. You know, and then, and then the next person might have the same dosage, but they're kind of like this, 
you know, then like, and women are extremely different. There's a lot more variance in women with how, how fast their body accepts testosterone, utilizes it and metabolizes it. They're very, there's a lot of variance there. If you're getting the labs done at the same time frame, you know, but you're, and you're depending on how you change the dose, like you can look like it doesn't matter. You can look like you're at a zero testosterone level every single time, you know, depending on, you know, if you're like this, you know, or like you, whatever, like they can be all the same. What about with progesterone and estradiol? Have you seen that where people are non-responders to that on labs? Progesterone is a little bit different because progesterone in the serum, in the blood, doesn't really show that well with labs. So, um, so I don't use labs as a great marker for progesterone. I just, I use more um, of your, your symptoms if you're getting a good response from progesterone, like you're sleeping better, you know, you're uh, more calm during the day and in the evening, you know, you're waking up more refreshed. Like th- those, are, those are better signs that progesterone is working. Cause a lot of times, you know, you're now also we have to, we have to appreciate the fact that like, um, your bloodstream, it's kind of like your streets and your highways. You know, if we were to go on like Google earth and look down at everything and we see all the moving cars moving around, it wouldn't make sense to count the moving cars and say, that's how many cars we have in this County, you know, cause there's cars that are parked. There's cars that are in garages and whatever, like the, and, and the, your hormones are like that too. So you have, so the, the numbers that we get in our labs, they're really the only hormone, they're just the hormones that are floating around in our bloodstream. They're not the hormones that are actually attached to receptors. They're not the hormones that are in tissues, you know, that are standing in line waiting to be attached to a receptor. There, there's a lot that's in there, you know? Um, so like, we have to appreciate that too. Chris, is that the reason why a lot of uh, doctors when they're doing TRT are prescribing women to actually inject uh, testosterone in the fat versus in the muscle in the muscle because they metabolize no. lower uh well y- y- well yes i'm sorry yes so with women like i said women are much more sensitive to to testosterone okay so like for ron i can give ron a pretty big dose of testosterone and if he starts growing extra facial hair he's not gonna be upset you know he won't come knocking on my door but like you know um, sonia you probably would so the she probably wouldn't like that too much so the um so i'd rather keep uh, i'd rather keep a female like low and slow and even than to spike them so a sub q shot is 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 much slower and more even and it's a little bit easier to control you know because you're going to be more sensitive to that you know i have one more question on the female hormones when using synthetic hormones in addition to trt such as estradiol and progesterone um, how is that different on the body than let's say taking a birth control pill? It, it's very much, it's very much like a balancing act. So, so if you start out, um, oh gosh, what's the best way I can describe this? Um, so sometimes uh, some, a patient will come to me and they're already on birth control. Okay. And they're on, uh, which is usually some, usually it's some combination of some version of estrogen and progestin or progesterone or whatever. And, um, and it does impact your progesterone and your estradiol levels as far as what your body actually um, utilizes, what it sees, whether it's, whether it's synthetic or not, there is some impact there, you know? So, um, so even though without that, you're, you're totally out of balance with that, you might be a little bit more out of balance, but then other hormones are still kind of out of whack. So we kind of have to balance you where you are. And that includes your, your um, birth control pill, you know? So then that's where, where, where um, I typically don't, I, I like starting, especially women um, just on testosterone or, and, or um, progesterone at the same time. I know that if I'm giving you testosterone, you're getting estradiol anyway. 
Yeah. You know, because testosterone is going to aromatize into estradiol as well. So those people are not listening when he says, you know, I'm giving you estrogen. It's going to turn into, or I'm sorry, giving you testosterone. It's going to turn into that anyways. If you look at almost like a Christmas tree at the top of that Christmas tree, we have our precursors like cholesterol and DHEA and pregnenolone, which are precursors for hormones. And then kind of going down that tree, if let's just say like middle through the tree was testosterone, it converts down closer to that branch into estradiol. And we can talk a little bit about that. If we can follow up on that, uh, even for the, for men, uh, there's a reason why when you're doing exogenous testosterone shots, uh, you have to have, you have to include an, uh, an AI or a mid X and astrazole and or H. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was your question from before that I never answered. Sorry. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that. Too, too. Yeah. I wasn't trying to avoid it. I wasn't trying to avoid it because it is it's it, important. Uh, it, yeah. It's usually a big elephant in the room. So, um, so I'm all over, I'm all over the, the, um, the AI issue. Estrogen is a hormone that's in your body. Um, and it is important, you know, so, um, the, you don't want the hormone going too high or too low for you, whatever that is. Um, so it's important to manage that. Now, if you're going to be taking testosterone, some of that testosterone is going to be converted over into estrogen. So it, it's, it's just going to happen, you know, so the, the higher your testosterone level, it's only going to take your, your estrogen in one direction, which is up, you know, generally speaking. So, but everybody still, it all goes back to the premise that everybody's very different and you need to have someone that's able to walk through that process with you to see where you are. And as you do research, if anyone ever tells you, everyone has to take an AI or an estrogen blocker, or anyone says no one has to take an estrogen blocker, run from both of them. They're both wrong. More issues with estrogen in men in when they're overweight, when they're holding more body fat or overweight versus maybe a leaner, more ectomorphic population. That's a good question. And I've always read about that, but in actual practice, not really. No, really. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to say that. I always assess people, and I guess I'm wrong. Uh, I, <laughs> Can you repeat what you just said one more time? <laughs> Never. Um, so sometimes when I look at someone and I and I look at their body and I and I can tell and I make that assessment. I'm like, yeah, that I'm guy's probably yeah, high estrogen. He got the man boobs going. He has like a lot of fat, a lot of back fat. I'm thinking the first thing that comes to mind is high cord, high estrogen. So you're saying clinically, you don't really see that, that relationship? Not, not as often as I, like, I always expect that. I rarely ever get that aha moment. Like, aha, I knew it. You're that guy that hasn't, and you know, so it just now, but I'm always surprised at other people. So, so there, there's several factors here and the factor of, of your estrogen number, you know, it's, it's much deeper than that. So, because everyone's sweet spot for estrogen is different. Okay. Um, so, um, so like my sweet spot might be, you know, 20 to 30, you know, yours might be 80 to hundred, like every, everybody's different and you have to appreciate that. So, but then what I've also started to notice, and this is something I want to, I want to get into more research on. There's very, very little, if any research in, in this aspect, the receptors themselves have their own amount of sensitivity. Okay. So let's say, let's say I have, let's say Ron, you, uh, you and I, we both have an estradiol of 40. Okay. SHBG. That's an even another, that's another mm-hmm. conversation, but let's say our SHBG is the same. Okay. And we both have an estrogen level of 40. 
sex binding globulin hormone. So that is basically the taxi cab that moves those hormones around the body. Like they need that cab to be able to be usable just for the gen pop listening. So the, let's say we're both the same there. Okay. There's a, there's a factor of variable that everybody always ignores or, or forgets about. And that is your, um, your receptor sensitivity, your receptor volume, you know? So if my receptor volume to, let's say my, um, my like nipple area for like for gyno, let's say my receptor volume is this is higher than yours, then I'm going to get gyno at 40 and you won't, you know, or, and the same thing for testosterone receptors, like each receptor has its own volume level or, or sensitivity level, That's you know, that's the reason, that's the reason why SARMs work. Because SARMs go to the dial, the volume dial on your, um, on your androgen receptors and they crank up the dial. You know, they don't have anything to do with your testosterone number, you know, but they just crank up the dial. So there, now there's a lot of like negative feedback and all kinds of stuff with that. But, but it's just, it's an extra layer of variability that, that really we should know about and think about, especially moving forward. I love geeking out on that stuff. So I might be going down the train. A no, bit, but. this is awesome. Go ahead, Sonia. Real quick, with the receptor volume, so if somebody is on T or HRT, let's just say HRT because I'm a lady, so it's other things too, progesterone, est- estradiol, and, and testosterone. Once you're on HRT, are you like, once you've created that volume, does it like very hard to come off and restore those same numbers? It's an open-ended question because honestly, it's like, well, if you're low, you're low. But if somebody was like put on HRT, like for birth control, okay? Like, some, like for women, I know that HRT is like a little bit different, but- if your if your receptors are being hit in in like fulfilled in certain levels and they adapt to hormone replacement therapy, if you were to like come off, and I think we see it more in women coming off of because it's kind of like you said, we get told, well, you know, you're not really supposed to be on synthetic hormones, so you can come off, and then you're seeing these changes. I've seen that with myself, well, with his friend, and then with with clients that I have too, where they go to a doctor and their doctor's like, you shouldn't be on this stuff; it causes these issues, which we can go into later, but. Once you're coming off, is it kind of like a man running PEDs? You know, you're always after that going to have, you know, lower levels. Yes. It's very difficult for your, especially at first for your sensitivity of the, of the, um, the, the hormones to come back around, you know? So if, so I guess if all of a sudden you're used to running high testosterone and then over time, or let's say you suddenly drop to low testosterone. At first, it's going to feel really, really bad. It's going to, you're going to really feel like crap, you know, because you're in, but over time, it is possible that your receptors can become slightly more sensitive. So you go from feeling like crap to feeling bad. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. And, and like the, a whole lot of hope. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing with sensitivity, and I think that uh, just so we can clarify a little bit more, it's, uh, when we, we, for example, I had a, a gentleman send me a message on the team. Uh, he says that he, his estrogen levels, he doesn't feel good unless he's on one milligram of, a week of uh, an estrosol. And, okay. uh, and, and I said, well, you, you, if that's the way you feel, that's, that's good. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. for myself, and, and this is my sensitivity, I, I would die at one milligram. I, as you know, I do a quarter of a quarter pill and that's yeah. good enough for me. Otherwise, I definitely start noticing um, if I go too high or too low, your libido starts getting hit. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different things. And I, and I, I, I like to believe that I know my body now to the point, like, okay, my estrogen is going a little high for, for guys that get a little bit emotional when you're watching a movie <laughs> or, or you, you, that, that could very possibly be your estrogen is a little high. 
right? Yeah. So, yeah. Talk a little bit about those symptoms, uh, Chris, so if the listeners can understand what to look for. So there's something called estrogen dominance, and um, and estrogen dominance can be a little vague. It's not necessarily attached to a certain number. It's how much power your estrogen has over things. So the these est- these hormones, big picture, they don't they don't act alone. So um, if your estrogen level is a cert- is at a certain level, estrogen has a certain personality to it. The higher the level, the more that personality comes out. Okay. Testosterone has a certain personality to it. The higher the level, the more that personality comes out. When you start to mix things together, it's a lot like cooking, you know? So if you have, if you have a high enough testosterone level, then for a lot of cases, your estrogen level will be mitigated to some point. And that also goes into play for women on progesterone and estrogen too. So not to say that estrogen is completely a bad hormone because I don't want to totally knock it. There's also, there's actually about eight to 10 different types of estrogen. Um, one of them is actually a really good estrogen. It's called a two hydroxyestrone, you know, so, um, and, and that is one of the estrogen types that, um, that supports uh, muscle development, your brain development and your um, uh, energy levels and memory. You know, a lot of the other estrogens are kind of the bad ones. They have the bad personality to it, but you know, the more we mitigate it with other things that can happen. So I ha- so I'll have a lot of guys that let's say I'll have a guy that um, all of a sudden he decides to not take his AI for whatever reason. He just wants to try it out or whatever. And he's one of the guys that really should be on it. You know, so his estrogen level starts creeping up, um, you know, um, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140, you know, then he starts getting some symptoms. His testosterone number is still the same. His testosterone is say 1200 and his, um, his estrogen's riding up, you know, and he's, talking to his neighbor next door outside, busts out crying over nothing, you know, like I've had that. Yeah. So then all kinds of things or like road rage, you know, or, um, or just tired all the time, like really fatigued and, you know, a lot of issues, or I'll have the next guy that I talked to that's totally low testosterone. His testosterone level is 200, you know, and his estradiol level is maybe 50 or 60, you know, or even 80 I've seen before. So you think to yourself, and so, and he has the exact same symptoms. He's crying at commercials or like a Disney movie. He can't help himself, you know, and like, you know, irritated and moody all the time and tired. He has night sweats and all kinds of stuff, you know, and so very similar type symptoms, you know, despite the other guy's testosterone being super high, estrogen is just that sensitive in men and women can have the exact same thing going on. The numbers might be different, but that estrogen dominance, the domination of those kind of side effects, you know, start playing a role in that and, and finding that balance might be different for one person versus another, you know, and, and that's where it takes a little nuance in order to be able to figure that out and, and get you where you need to be. Yeah. I think it's, it really just dials in overall health and lifestyle as well, because I'm sure on that we have, you know, you're probably looking at like the liver filtration system and stress in their life and different. Oh yeah. Well. That's another rabbit. Oh, yeah. hole. I mean, there's so yeah, many rabbit holes. We can, rabbit hole. we can jump yeah. into uh, gonna- for three hours. Quick question for you. Um, and while we're on the women's stuff, and I, I know I'm like, I got so much stuff. I had so many people message me, so many women that were like asking this because we dropped it, you know, who wants who wants to know more? What is what changes when a woman when a woman goes on, you know, HRT? And and I'm just gonna assume this person specifically meant not just testosterone, but maybe progesterone or estrogen as well. Um okay. how does that affect fertility or even just testosterone? How do those things affect fertility in women? Testosterone really doesn't affect fertility very much at all. Um, and and when, I'm, when, I talk about, when I talk about testosterone, I'm talking about more medically managed testosterone, 
Okay, so I'm not I'm not talking about the higher you know higher dose stuff. Um, now, what numbers will affect fertility are um, are the waves of your of your menstrual cycle. That's what fertility is all about, which is progesterone, um, estrogen, and your LH and FSH surges. You know, so um, now if I'm if I'm giving you estrogen as a part of your, um, and mostly dominated by estrogen. So if I'm giving you estrogen as a part of your, um, your therapy, then, um, that that's going to have an impact. You know, your fertility is, is, is basically, this is, this is, I'm, I'm not the one to, to like, you know, uh, say that I know everything about women, but like from a, from a biochemical standpoint, like <laughs> it's how women work. kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> Break it down for us, Doc. Break it down. So, so in the period of a of a month, you know, you basically have two main waves, and and those those basically those big waves are are have two waves of estrogen. Your first wave of estrogen comes up, and this is this is where things get really interesting. Um, your wave of estrogen starts to come up. This is towards ovulation. When it gets to a certain level, it flips a switch, and that's what initiates ovulation. Okay, and then it starts to work its way back down. Normal. Okay. And then, um, after, you know, so many days, then it, then it starts to work its way back up again and it flips a switch and that causes the, your, uh, your body to, um, to have a period. Okay. So where things get more complicated is let's say women that have PMS type symptoms. Okay. So in the case of ovulation, you go up towards ovulation, you go up, you flip a switch and then you keep on going. You don't stop your estrogen level keeps on going and then it comes down. So, so the personality of estrogen just gets more and more and more and more of it comes out. So you have all these side effects of, you know, the um, just feeling like hot flashes, you know, or feeling like hot, um, the moodiness, just the irritability. You want to feel like you want to crawl out of your own skin, you know, the, um, the, the cramping is for that bloated. Yeah. All of those things happen. And then, you know, you talk to your friend and you're trying to tell your friend about all these symptoms and they're like, Oh, I don't have any of that. I'm fine. I go month to month. I'm good. And you want to like punch them in the face, you know? So it's like, um, and it's because their body just goes up, flips the switch and comes back down. So that's estrogen dominance. When we bring hormone therapy into that and that, and that, so that's also related to your fertility, your, your ability to smooth that out. So when we bring um, other hormones into that, like either progesterone or testosterone, um, that can mitigate or calm calm those things down. You know, it really, really helps to kind of settle down the two ways so that things become much more natural. And then your body likes that, you know, um, I actually formulated a, um, a supplement. It's called the Viking estrogen control. So um, it's a blend of different, of different natural um, herbs that, uh, that are, and, and uh, chemicals that are used to, it's, it's, it can be used as an AI, but it's also used, it's safe enough for women you know, that they can take. And I've had great results with, um, with irregular periods, you know, um, PMS symptoms, women just take it just during that time of the month and they take it all month long, you know, estrogen dominance. It's amazing. It works really well for that. So is it more of an estrogen metabolizer and does it help metabolize estrogen better? Yeah, it has dim it has, um, chrysin, calcium glucurate and a couple other things in there. So it kind of hits it from different angles, yeah. you know, and, um, and it's very natural and it, and it kind of smooths everything out throughout the whole month. It's safe enough. You can take it every day. So yeah, that I'm super excited about that. Works really well. I had a couple of questions. One of them was two shots versus one shot a week for for men. I know, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, but let 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 our listeners know what would be ideal for men if they take one shot, whether either cypionate or or an um, uh, versus two shots, and why? If we first have to start with uh, pharmacokinetics. 
um, which is basically just a fancy word that uh, that's how how the medication moves, you know, how fast it moves. And um, and we need to know that in advance generally. And then we fine tune it based on the person. So I haven't met very many people that actually feel better at one time a week or that's where they're most optimized. I have people that do it for convenience or whatever, and they just don't care, and they're not really that performance-minded. But, um, but most people, most guys do better at at least two shots a week, and for very specific reasons, we go into more what's called microdosing or vicrodosing, like you know, more multiple times a week. The, the effective, what I call the effective half-life of, of, um, of a, a conservative injection of testosterone cypionate, it feels like it's working in your body for about four days. That's why, you know, you split the week in half, three and a half days or so, you get your second shot and it makes it easy, you know, so. Following up what you just said, I know that there's some people that actually believe in microdosing, even like on a daily basis. Do you yeah. see a diminishing return to do that or, or is there that much of an improvement from a performance standpoint if you were to do daily injections of tests? So I don't know if I'd call it a performance enhancement. Um, it, do, it definitely does change the timing of the medication. And the vast majority of guys that do it, their reasoning for do it is for doing it is not always what they think it is. Um, like a lot of guys will say, I do it because I don't want to have my testosterone spiking and then crashing and then being up and down. I don't want to be on a roller coaster with my testosterone. When really, like I said before, guys are not that sensitive to testosterone. You know, and I check guys' testosterone levels in the trough, like all the time, all day long. And I see their trough levels and they're like, you know, 900, 1200, 1400 in the trough at the low end. So it's like, you're not feeling any kind of like dip or crash, like after like a two week shot, you're just not, it's impossible. So, but what they do feel is that every time you get a testosterone shot, remember your estrogen wave is right at its heels. It's right behind it, you know? So um, that is what guys are sensitive to. So what they're actually feeling by breaking up their shots into more digestible fragments for them, just for them, because they're so sensitive, um, that it smooths out their estrogen, you know, uh, their estrogen levels. So they're really doing that. So they don't feel the crash and the, and the highs and the crash of their estrogen, not their testosterone. Here's a really good question. Actually, I just thought about it myself. Uh, when you're, you're doing a full scale TRT uh, therapy, you're including HCG, you're including an AI. Um, do you break down HCG on a different day than your injection? No. Is there any difference behind be, on why you would do that? Um, I don't think so. I don't think the difference is worth it. Like, um, because, you know, there, there are a lot of, there are a little small, there are a lot of little small nuances of things that we can do, but, um, it doesn't really matter if, um, we get so busy that we forget and it's like, oh man, it's Tuesday. Like I know I was supposed to do, I was supposed to do my shot on Monday and do my pill on Tuesday and then do my HCG on Wednesday. It's like, what? It doesn't really matter that much. Do them all on the same day. Like, <laughs> because the HCG is a completely different process. You know, you have to inject your HCG, which and the HCG is, is, is a peptide hormone that's designed to maintain your natural testicular function. The testicles are just a factory. Like they don't, they don't care if they're attached to your body or not. If they don't get the signal to stay on, they just, they shut off, you know? So if you're just taking testosterone, that signal's done, you know, your test. That's why the guys get atrophy and they get, they get shrinkage and stuff and, and other issues. So HCG is the light switch that flips it back on again. Right. So but there's a, there's a bit of a process. So it's not like we inject testosterone and boom, testosterone's floating through our veins, you know, ah, you know, it's not like that. It's um, we inject the HCG and it's going down, it's flipping a light switch to the factory. 
then the factory has to churn. It has to work. It's got to do its thing, you know? So it, it's, you know, it's, it's a slower, more involved, like, um, uh, you know, on that. So it really doesn't matter that much. Just do what's convenient. Are you ever using HCG with women in HRT? No. So how about this? Uh, <laughs> men, 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 <laughs> men trying to conceive on HR and TRT or HRT. How do you, how do you handle those situations? Yeah, I had a couple of those today. Um, they're separate. They, they're actually separate questions or separate issues, you know? So, um, and really it's very simple for guys actually, like, um, for most guys, anyway, the, um, as long as your testicular function is, is running, as long as your factory downstairs is lit up and cranked on, then you're fertile, basically, you know, it's pretty easy. Um, and it has nothing to do with how, what your testosterone level is. So do you, you know? typically, so, would you typically recommend, and I've heard this, uh, and I've actually read this because I've prepared myself. Do you typically raise the ACG levels or the amount of ACG mm -hmm. by how much more or less number, or is there something that you go by depending on the person? So HCG is incredibly safe. So, um, so what my standard dose of HCG is about 250. Um, I use twice a week sub Q. So, um, for guys that are looking for more fertility, they really want to get their wives pregnant. Then even two, 250 will do it. But like, you know, when you're, when your wife is like, okay, come on, we got to get this going here. You know, then we, you know, you're motivated to do more. Um, then, uh, you can, you know, taking 500 units or 50, 50 units or 500 IUs twice a week, even taking 500 IUs every day, you know, is, um, uh, is perfectly safe. You know, they've, they've done studies that show that even like a thousand units daily is, uh, is safe as well. So I know I do 500, so I'm going to have to lower my dosage to like a hundred then. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay awesome good stuff let's jump into it oh sorry you have a question you know what let's talk about gh and then i want to loop back around i do want to touch at the very end about where you what your thoughts are on orals versus topicals versus injections for women in hrt but i think gh we don't want to miss talking about that for sure that's exactly where i was going next so yeah let's talk about gh okay so um one of the things about this whole world of hrt is that there's a lot of bad information about HRT, about it, just in general, like optimization. Everybody wants to have something to say, you know, and talk about things. So there's a lot of people that just say stuff, you know, w without really a good, a good mechanical background as to how the medication works, you know, so you have to be careful when you read stuff, you know, and, and pass it on. Um, a lot of times, we, um, testosterone is very easy to conceptualize and think about. It's a very linear hormone is what I call it. So um, we inject testosterone, testosterone floats around in our body and does testosterone work. You know, it attaches to testosterone receptors. If we ever wanna check it, we check testosterone, right? It's very, very easy and simple to think about. People kind of assume all hormones are like that, but they're not. Like growth hormone is not like that at all, at all. So, um, the, and when I say growth hormone, I mean that collectively with Samorolin, CJC-1295, like Ipamorlin, well, kind of Ipamorlin and MK-677 are kind of in their own little world, but, um, but they're, 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 they're still attached in the family. But like, so there's a lot of different types of growth hormones, you know, but they're not linear based at all. They're much more complex, more like, more like looking at um, dominoes. You know how people used to set up the dominoes in a row? you know, and then they would, the dominoes would fan out and it would turn into this big, beautiful picture, right? You know, and you knock over the first domino and they each go down. So if you, if you were to pick up domino number, number five, you know, just pick it up and look at it, it would say, 
HGH on it. Okay, that's coming out of the pituitary gland, right? Then you set it back down. You know, and the, the body doesn't care. It's just another domino. Like we think it's, oh, HGH, you know, it's just awesome, you know, but really it's, that was just the first one that we discovered. So like, that's all we know, you know, but there's tons of dominoes everywhere. And, but we, what we want is for the whole picture to fall down. That's what we're looking for, you know? So um, that one domino doesn't go around and do all of that. Mm -mm. No, it, there's, it's much more complex than that. So everybody wants to see their, uh, a good, well, the only real way or the only way that we have to really measure that, it's not a great way to measure it, is our IGF-1 factor or IGF-1 levels. So um, insulin growth factor, um, one. So there's a lot of growth factors, not just, not just that one. But IGF-1, if we were to pick up a domino in the middle of the big, beautiful picture, IGF-1 comes from the liver. So if we were to pick up that one in the middle... It would say IGF-1, but there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of dominoes everywhere. The body doesn't care. It's just another domino, you know? So we have to kind of appreciate how different it is first before we even jump into how, what are we going to do to like to stimulate it or, or get things going in general, if, if the whole, if we're not getting enough of this big, beautiful picture going, then um, what we need to do is stimulate it in any way um, from the beginning or as early as possible, you know, to knock over a couple extra dominoes. And then there we go, you know, whether that's with Samoralin or, um, or, or HGH or whatever, you know? So I have a question for you. Um, dosage, dosage wise. And I know that we've talked about super physiological dosages in our previous episode. This is not what this is about. This is about okay. HRT. So we're yeah. not talking about 10 IUs, 20 IUs, 15 IUs. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. We're going to leave that for the big boys that are trying to compete. We're talking about people that are, are trying to improve their, their, their way of life. Dosage wise, where do you see the benefits for men and where do you see the benefits for women? So um, I, I, I like to start people off um, on a standard effective dose. And that's usually the case with just about everything, you know, and it's funny, like occasionally I'll have someone, you know, uh, I'll tell them what dose I want to start them off. For. So for like growth hormone, for example, like two I use per day, you know, on an empty stomach and they'll say, Oh, well, you got to understand I'm a big boy. I weigh 216 pounds and like, you know, and I'm, you know, and so, but it's like, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter when it comes to growth hormone. The, um, the, I would I would rather start someone off like that and see how they do for a couple months, because at the end of the two months, you might say, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm getting everything that I need. This is it. You know, and if you start on, you know, four IUs, then you might have ended up saying the exact same thing. But now, you know, you just spent twice as much for, you know, say, <laughs> for no reason. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah. And it's something for me, when you said, you know, you might be getting everything you need. Can you like describe for us, like what the benefits of GHR for those people who are just kind of listening and, 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 and what, you know, what, what are the benefits <laughs> of growth hormones for um, you're just everyday person that wants to feel their best and put up some good weight and, you know, look good. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I didn't mention that before. That's the whole big, beautiful picture I was talking about before. So growth hormone has a lot of different factors and it, and it activates a lot of different things in your body naturally. Um, basically every time, you know, as like, you know, Ron and I are older, so like we can, um, uh, but you know, every, so we're used to hearing people say, or point to someone, Oh, you heal so fast just because you're young, you know, Oh, your skin looks so nice. Your skin looks so tight just because you're young you know, and, oh, you're able to get the weight off just because you're young, you know, really there's science behind that. Like there's, there's, there are factors and hormones and this, that's what I geek out on all the time. So the growth hormone does a lot of that. So um, if we were to, 
to just turn that dial inside your body of growth hormone, those that's the growth factor that 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 helps to stimulate sleep, you know, and not only sleep, but efficient sleep. So so you're recovering, you know, your body wants to recover more like during that amount of time. So like usually like four hours feels like six or eight hours of sleep. You know, it's pretty neat to see it happen. Your metabolism's more efficient. You know, your skin, your hair, your nails, you know, developing is like, is, is stronger and, and faster. Um, you're able to heal better. So healing from injuries, you know, things like that, um, you know, definitely developing um, or, or recovering from uh, with your, your joints. And so you see a lot of guys, even just especially in the PED world, like um, guys that are that are super physiological in their in their testosterone doses. So they're building muscles, you know, faster and bigger but they're not, they're not building their tendons and their ligaments at the same rate that they're building muscles. So that's how they get these like, you know, weird tendon, you know, ruptures and stuff like that. So growth hormone is, is very helpful to help your body recover, you know, a lot of factors as well. So more of a physical aspect though, not, it doesn't really affect so much in how, not like testosterone affects really how you feel mentally and psychologically, like growth hormone doesn't really do that so much. I was going to say, you know, it, there's so many pros with, with GH, what would the cons be for GH? And if you've done it once, you know, do you have to stay on it forever? Mm, okay. So yeah, there's not, um, peptide hormones in general, um, but in growth hormones included in that, um, they are quick. Peptides are designed to be very fast. They go in, they do their job and they leave. Okay. So that's very important to understand because steroid hormones are not like that. Steroid hormones might. SARMs as well, right? SARMs tend to stay in the body and not metabolize out. Uh, it... No, no, okay. no, no, sometimes it depends on which one it is. Yeah. It depends on which one it is. Maybe but um, some of them have 24 hour hot pipes. I mean, some of them are yeah. 24 hours. Yeah, I guess SARMs but, is such a broad spectrum of Yeah, things. but yeah. some of the steroids, a lot of the steroids can last a long time in your body. So you're, because of that, your body has to have built-in negative feedback factors to try and control these things you know but something that that zips in does this thing and leaves like the body doesn't have enough time to really control it as well so there really isn't a lot of negative feedback factors for um for the growth hormones meaning um if you take a certain dose now your body will get used to it and you'll have to take more and more and more and more you know or it'll or if you take it and you stop then your body will shut off you know, it doesn't really have that kind of effect. Like it really doesn't do that as much. So would you say that if, let's say that my IGF-1 levels are at 350 with, with growth hormones of two I use, and that's what I run. And I'm very transparent with, with our listening audiences. I tell me hey, I'm on 200 milligrams of test, two I use a growth hormone. And I, what I've, and I can, I'm going to share a little bit about my experience with, with GH. Uh, your skin gets better. Your mm -hmm. hair gets better. Your joints are improved. Uh, sleep, I'm horrible at sleeping, so I'm not even going to go there no matter what. <laughs> uh, sleep is a topic of another discussion. You, you just feel, you start seeing the recoveries better. Everything just gets a little bit better. Even I heard that even, I don't have gray hair yet, but uh, even the pigmentation in your hair uh, can go back to black, brown, whatever it was. Uh, so you see a yeah. lot of different improvements. And to the point that some people have known me like for from six years ago, I was like, what did you do to yourself? And I said, TRT, man. Life, life, yeah. life changer. Is something that someone would need to stay on, or is it something that you run in cycles, or like, is it something like TRT where you would go on it and it's just kind of like you're in it to win it at that point, or? So if you're running it at a safe and conservative dosage, you don't have to run it in cycles. You know, so um, you can stay on it. 
it is a hormone that's naturally produced in your body all the time. And if your body is getting less of it, it's kind of like how, you know, if you're, if, you know, your body needs to supplement, you know, it needs a little boost, you know, to help you, you know, that, that's kind of how it, how it works, you know? So, um, so yeah, you, but you don't, you, you don't have to, you don't have to cycle it. Some people do for financial reasons or whatever, but like, um, but yeah, you don't, you can stay on it. Here's a question for you, Chris. And I, and I, I already made an, an educated decision. I'm a lifer, right? Um, I went on TRT, my life changed. I, I've seen the improvements in every aspect of my, my, my physiological and I don't want to say mental, but the way that I feel is much better, obviously. Um, do you, would you, do you recommend people to make that decision when you're, con you're consulting for the first time saying, Hey, think about this, because if you're going to do this, you may very well be a lifer. Is that something mm. that you discuss or how do you, what is your approach to that? Um, I have people ask me that all the time. Like, you know, do I have to do on, do I have to stay on this the rest of my life? And um, I always point them to HCG. Like as long as you're naturally for men, anyway, as long, as long as you're not stopping anything from running in the background, like your testicles are still functioning, then you can get off. There's a way to do it. It's very easy, but you can get off and your body will go back to its baseline, which sucks or else you wouldn't be calling, but like, you know, <laughs> so, so like in reality, like I've had, um, it's so rare to actually have someone. And so I don't push them one way or another, you know, um, but, but, you know, like to have someone like get off for something other than like financial hardships, you know, which was tough during coronavirus, obviously, you know, for a lot of people, but, um, but yeah, it, it's, it doesn't really have, I take that back. I had one guy, he was, he's a, he's a cyclist. He's a hardcore, like distance cyclist. And he, um, he was recovering really, really horribly, you know, so he couldn't, he couldn't do his 50 or 70 mile rides or whatever, you know. Um, and um, so I got him on TRT. He's able to recover and do him better. But now he's doing, um, this is the season where they do mountain rides. So they're doing like high incline rides. And he is, he is, let me see, let me get this right. He's 5'11", 147 pounds. And he's too heavy. He weighs too much. He's getting, he's putting too much upper body musculature on, you know, so he wants to get off of testosterone for that. And 147. Yeah. Wow. Just during, just during the season. And then after that, he's going to come back on again. So, you know, I mean, he, and he can, but he's been on HCG this whole time. So he's I, I not, think, he's just going to go back to his baseline. I think you would crash. I mean, I think that you would see anybody that gets, that has experienced TRT or, and maybe not even HRT, but TRT, just testosterone. And they see the benefits the second you get off and whatever you think is normal, you start noticing the differences immediately within two weeks, right? Oh, yeah. But, but you know, I mean, when you're that level of an athlete, you don't care about anything else but that, you know, that performance number that, you know, if that's going to, it's going to shave down, you know, 15 seconds or a minute on your time, you know, you know, like that's, it's, just, it's working with athletes is just a completely different, like psychological thing. I've got a question for you. Um, growth hormone and insulin resistance. It's a good question. I've mm -hmm. heard about it, right? I haven't actually read any, I, I haven't read any studies on it. I've just kind of seen it. I've heard about it. And I know a lot of people have kind of brought it up that, you know, doing DGH can create insulin resistance. And for those of us, you guys listening, we talked about insulin resistance in the last couple of podcasts. If you're not sure, reference back to those, but um, what's your take on that? And is it mostly when you, it's overdosing on GH or is it, is it genetics? So I think that people assume they have insulin resistance when that's not always the case. So I'll kind of paint a picture. So 
let's say um, you're healthy, athletic, you know, everything. And, um, and you know what your resting blood sugar is, you know, like um, fasted, I'm my blood sugar is an 80, you know, and you get started on growth hormone. And it could be honestly, it could be any one of any one of the growth hormone family members, but especially ipamorelin or MK677, but any any of them could do it. So you get on you get on uh, a growth hormone and you get another set of labs, you know, and now your resting blood sugar is a 90. And you're like, what the hell? You know, now what's what's going on? I must be insulin resistant. When when in reality, what's going on? Insulin is I see I I call the insulin um, your UPS trucks. You know, your UPS trucks have to drive around. They you they carry a lot of different things, but generally they carry sugar, right? You know, they carry your glucose, you know, around. So when you take in growth hormone, grow any of the growth hormones have a philosophy of growth right so in order to do that the first place that all the growth hormones go is the liver and the liver is like we call the liver our second brain so when you when they go to the liver and the liver is in charge of so many different things so if your body if the philosophy is growth recovery skin hair nails all of this stuff takes energy it actually takes a lot of energy to make this happen and the 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 the, the liver creates all of these different growth factors to go out there and make it happen but the liver also has something in its back pocket. It holds glycogen storage for the entire, well, for a good part of the body, you know, it holds glycogen storage. So that's another thing that all of the growth hormones do is they, they unlock that back door of glycogen. So it's like, okay, let's start releasing more glucose into the bloodstream also, because we know we're, our philosophy now is growth, you know? So if your blood sugar happens to look a little bit higher, your diet's the same but your blood sugar happens to look a little bit higher, you can assume, oh my God, my UPS trucks aren't working as well as they used to, <laughs> you know, but it's not, not necessarily the case. Yeah. You know? That was such a great breakdown. That makes total sense. So here, here's a, here's a follow-up question to that. You're talking about um, insulin sensitivity. Would you see that those actual sugar spikes or readings going, your glucose reading going a little higher on two IUs? I would think the answer is no, but why don't you share that? Share no, I don't, I don't, I don't see it enough enough for it to be for me to be able to nail it and say yes that's it like i mean you know because like your blood sugar fluctuates like right. you know like all, all the time all day long so if someone's i mean i have i have people that are like you know they're in 85 and they're like see my blood sugar went up now it's a 97 or you know whatever <laughs> and it's like dude well did you eat like well yeah but cortisol like, sleep hydration there's so many yeah there's so many factors that go into it. So I've, I've never seen it go crazy. Like, you know, go from like 80 to like 160 or I've never seen any kind of drastic changes ever. I can talk to Chris forever, but I'm going to, I'm going to actually put him on the spot here. GH yeah. versus MK677 and why? Ooh, okay. explain what MK677 is. I'm the mediator here. I always have to be like, <laughs> we have people that aren't you, Ron. So first, if you could explain real quick, MK67, what it is, and then we can dive into, you know, pros and cons and versus. So this is, this is like, I started doing a really, really deep dive a year ago on um, all the different types of growth. Because I would get questions about like, what's CJC129? What is Samoralin? What is this? What is that? You know, Samoralin. So, yeah, I, I did a video on my YouTube channel, um, Real Science with Chris Neal, that explains the, um, the uh, just understanding the growth hormone family. If you have not seen that video, I actually, the YouTube video, guys, 
check it out. This is like <laughs> the explain the way he explains these things. It's mind-boggling, and, and I'm, I'm not tuning your horn, Chris, but, man, that video was really informative, and actually, I had an aha moment when I watched it. I'm like, wow, this all makes sense now. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But please go ahead and explain to our audience what yeah. you're to say. So what, what set it off or what, what made me think about doing that video is that I'm at the mall with my wife, okay? So we're walking around the mall, and she takes me over to the purses. So, Sonia, you'll be able to, you'll be able to understand this part. So she takes me over to the purses and she takes me to like the LV purses, the Louis Vuitton purses. And she knows how my mind works. I'm very mechanically oriented. So she shows me the purse and she's like, look, honey, she calls me Poppy. She's like, look, Poppy, this purse, it has, (laughs) she's like, this one has like a cell phone place for your cell phone and it has a pocket you know for your wallet and it has a keychain and it has a little little, little tassel thing you know and, and, it, and it can hold all kinds of stuff you know and she's trying to sell me on like the oh, mechanics yeah. of the purse right and I'm like okay you know all right that's that's nice but um and I saw the price obviously you know and, and we walk a little further down and I'm like let's look over here let's look at these purses like in the back you know and dust them off you know and it's like look this purse here this is twice as big you know you can hold yeah, you can hold twice as much pack. stuff. I'm laughing <laughs> you can so hold, hard I can't hold it. You can hold a cell phone and an iPad. You're like you can hold all kinds of stuff in here. Like you know, and, and it has like and you can bring snacks. Yeah, and you know what? We could buy like twenty of these for the same cost as that one purse over there. So like, so I started thinking about this because I get questions on growth hormone all the time. It's like, well, why is it? Everybody would always come to the point where they ask me, why is HC, HGH so expensive? To make HGH, it's it's an amino acid. So to synthetically make it, it's literally like Legos. It's very easy. You know, it's actually harder to make HCG than it is than it is HGH. Believe it or not, oh, it's wow. very very easy to make it. Um, so why is it like five, ten, twenty times as expensive? Well, because Louis Vuitton makes their purses more expensive. <laughs> you know, just just because it can be because it was the first one that was discovered, and you know, it has all the the marketing and the whole background behind it. So um, there are other factors that work just as good that are that are also very interesting mechanically. They knock down the same picture. You know, now MK six seventy seven out of all of the family members, in my opinion my opinion, is the strongest out of all of the different types of growth hormone factors, you know, even stronger than growth hormone. That was my question. Stronger than growth hormone. Yeah. Yes. I'll share with you guys my experience on MK677 about three years ago. Actually, right before I started with Chris, I started MK677. I did my blood work. And when I was still having some issues, um, I was just starting to think about going on TRT. And literally MK67, I was, I was at a hundred and something on IGF one. And, and then later on when I did my blood work and I was off MK677, cause I I had to get off cause my entire fingers and my hands were getting numb, numb, numb. So I'm like, I got to get off of this stuff. Right. 397, I think on the IGF, on my IGF one readings. So you were doing one pill a day. I was doing, I was doing serum. I was doing oh, okay, okay. I was doing the serum. So what I think it was 30, 30 mi- mi- micrograms. Milligrams. Okay. Milligrams. Yeah, so 25, 25 is the standard dose. Something so about, about something like that. Yeah. And I knew it worked because of the fact that hey, I, my labs, my labs are telling me it works, right? So can you elaborate a little bit on that? When what's too much on the IGF one uh, spectrum and what's not enough? I guess when 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 do side effects, if any, come into play like that dosage as well? Like he was saying, like the numbness and stuff like that, like yeah, so if you're if you're getting side effects with any of the growth factors, then you're 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 overboard. I don't care what your IGF number says, you know, you're you're going, you know, that's too high for you. 
you know, because that's, that's not, that's not good. Um, the, and again, IGF one is not the best number to describe how well I wish it, we had a number that was more perfect, you know, but it's not great. Um, if it's high, that's good. Like good for you, you know, but, but it's not, it's not perfect. So the, um, uh, the, we have to go back to the half-life of the medication. So the half-life of actual HGH in your body is anywhere between, um, uh, 16 and 28 minutes when you inject actual HGH in your body. That's how long it lasts. It doesn't have to last that long because it is a peptide. It has to last long enough to go in and knock over a little domino and then it's done. That's it. That's all it has to do. You know, so it doesn't have to last a long time, but it's still pretty short. MK677, that's from the ghrelin side of the family. I'll go into more detail into that into my YouTube channel on Real Science with Chris Neal. But it has a whole series of, of factors that it works with. And it also comes around and knocks over the little HDH um, domino also, you know, so it kind of hits it from both sides. But the half-life of MK677 is 18 to 36 hours, you know, so, so that's, a, that's a huge difference in mechanics, you know, so, um, and everybody's very different with that. So I know for me, like when I take, and, and I've done all different types of high doses and low doses of stuff of all, all the different growth hormones. It takes a lot for me to have side effects of like, you know, the typical overdose side effects of growth hormone is um, uh, swelling, water weight gain, fatigue, bloating, feeling in the belly, you know, um, uh, and uh, joint pain even, you know, but numbness and tingling in the fingers, sometimes in the toes also, you know, those are the, those are the initial side effects of overdose of, of growth hormone. Um, but so I know like it takes, it takes a lot for a long time of high dosing for me to get to that point, you know, with, with HGH, but with MK677, if I take the one pill standard dose, four days, four days and I start having all of those side effects, you know, the numbness tingling my fingers and stuff. So, so what I have to do, I have to understand the mechanics. Some people just throw it away and they say, Oh, I'm getting too many sides. This stuff doesn't work. It's like, no, 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 it, it is working. Doesn't. It's just working too good. You know? So, so the dosage is okay. The strength is okay. It just lasts so daggone long. So I have to take one pill every like three days and then I'm fine. That, that's what I was going to ask you is then do you spread out the timing with, with yeah. rolling? And look at, I mean, like, it's just like he said, right? And and we know this, we explain this. Labs give us so much information, but biofeedback is going to trump all that, right? Like mm -hmm. how you feel, because, you know, some people feel good with less, some people feel good with more. And, and so going off the biofeedback is going to be super important, but it's good to know that you can actually move the dosage around. Do you have one that you tend to use more with clients than, than another? Uh, the Samorlin, Samorlin is most straightforward and it's the best, um, it's very easy and it doesn't have any like drama with it. You know, the thing about MK677 is that it, um, it is going to make you very hungry. I was, I was going to say that for, it's for, people that, do that for people that have never tried MK677 or are doing prep or are going to contest prep. And I know we're talking about gen pop more, mostly. I would not recommend MK677 because like Chris saying, <laughs> said, it goes through the ghrelin side and your ghrelin is going to spike. Your, your ghrelin is your hunger hormone for you guys. Listening. Yeah. You're going to want to yeah. eat everything in sight. That's how hungry Oh, day I one. I mean, day so, one. So the second yeah. you eat, if you're having some I love issues, it. you take this stuff and you're going to want to eat a pizza and then you, you're, what's next, right? So it might be better for people who have a hard time gaining. Is that what I'm hearing? People who- Yeah, make, hard gainers. You know, hard gainers, people who are looking to put on mass, maybe MK677 would be a better GH option for you than somebody who's maybe looking to, to lose weight, be more toned, stay lean. That, this is great yeah. information. I mean, I love, I, I tried MK677. It worked great for me. I'm on GH now. 
Um, why why uh, Sir Morlin over Tessa Morlin or Ipa Morlin? Tessa Morlin is pretty expensive for what you get, you know, and for what it does, you know. Um, so so that's why I think it's like, you know, why am I going to spend, you know, twice as much. Yeah, why am I going to spend Louis Vuitton prices on that? You know, so that, that's how I look at it. Um, the Ipamorlin, that's on the Gorellin side of the family, you know. So, um, so Ipamorlin can also cause some hunger, you know, also. You know, some people respond a little better to the Gorellin side than the, um, than the growth hormone side, too, also. You know, just as hunger aside, like they just, they just do, you know. But um, Sermorellin so, so is, um, is synthetic growth hormone releasing hormone. So it's literally... Like if HDH was domino number five, Samorlin is domino number four. Gotcha. Where where does CJC DAC or CJC twelve ninety five play in all this? Where where in the spectrum? So, so CJC is a long acting version of Samorlin. So oh. and DAC just makes that long acting version even longer acting. It's like seven days for DAC, right? Like it doesn't. Yeah. Take seven days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for for some, and I've I've actually done. I want to say experimented with some AC, uh, CJC mm. DAC or CJC 1295 by itself, what I've noticed, and if it, tell me this is normal, because if it's not normal, I'm gonna freak, I'm gonna freak <laughs> out. Uh, you literally feel a rush in your brain and then your your face gets a little flushed like within minutes of injecting. Is that normal? That that can happen with um, that can happen with a lot of different peptides when you're doing the sub-Q, especially when you're really, really fasted. Okay. When you're really fasted, you know, yeah. Because I, I would uh, do that right before bed and, and I'm not, and like Sonia always makes fun of me because I don't sleep much. And uh, I would do that, and within I'd say much is even an overstatement. <laughs> uh, I would take that. He doesn't. Back, he doesn't sleep. But back in the days when I was normal, uh, uh, I would take CJC, and literally within four minutes, I would be. Australian. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that was just my body, so it, it worked well for me. So yeah. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, uh, Chris. Okay. Best peptide, growth hormone, CJC, ipamorlin, tessamorlin. Which one would you think is best? Ooh, wow, man! I told you I was See, gonna. Put I <laughs> that that's a that's a hard one because like, you know, I don't ever think about myself. Like I'm always thinking about other people, and I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. You know, right. maybe we'll do so, two avatars. Maybe we'll do best best pe- best peptide best best thing that you would do for you know a woman looking to lose weight, and then a man looking to what gain or lose. You yeah, pick your the- avatar. Let's improve the quality of life. Okay. Let's just say that. How about that? So like, so um, like a, a general population, just Denmark. improving Denmark. quality of life like that. Denmark. And Samorland, definitely. Samorland. Definitely Samorland. Yeah. Just because it's, it's, um, it's easy to, um, it's, it's relatively easy to get. It's relatively inexpensive. There's a lot of information out there about it. And um, the side effects are like, you don't have to worry about the whole, you know, appetite thing. And, um, and so the, I, I would, I would definitely say some Moreland. I'm going to jump into yeah. another rabbit hole just because I want to. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Moreland with GHRP6, GHRP2, or just by itself? In a while. So, um, so the, the GHRP2 and 6, I'm, I'm not as big a fan of those. You know, and it's kind of like, it's also kind of like the, the HGH frag, like the, um, the, um, AOD, yeah, yeah, the AOD 9604, you know, so just because you can do something doesn't mean it makes sense. So like, if you can take something, if you can take like HGH, HGH is kind of like, um, 
kind of like those people that carry around those big keys, you know, and there's like a hundred keys on it, you know, and they can't even fit it in their pocket. It's like, why do you need so many keys? Like, why do you, you know, and like, well, I just have a lot of doors I need to open, you know, it's like, okay. So it's kind of cool that you can take one key off the key ring, you know, and take that one fragment off and just use that, you know, but it's, it's also kind of nice to have all the keys, you know? So why, why would you want to just specifically take certain fragments off? You know, because literally when it comes down to price, price wise, it's not that much different for buying a fragment versus the whole thing. Really? Okay. Because I, I know that a lot of people say yeah. that frag is easier to get than uh, GH uh, in when they can get in the black market as well. So it's just more, more cost effective. But so for people that don't know, I mean, and I know probably. Well, I, that, I would take, I, I would take, I would take Samoralin over any, any growth hormone fragment. Awesome. We, have we have a winner. We have a winner. We have a winner. We need to have you back. But so we're talking about ceremonial over everything else. And that's great. So for people that don't know, um, when, when I was talking about HH frag and, and it, it's basically the 176 to the 191 portion of GH, which is the uh -huh. fat loss portion of growth hormone. So mm -hmm. Uh, a, a lot fragment of, of a growth fragment. hormone. So a lot, <laughs> For yeah. those of you who don't know what numbers those are. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know so Chris and I were geeking out right now. And, I, and it came to <laughs> mind is like, we're going to start going up to GRG, GHRP2. I can see his wheels spinning and I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to bring him back down to Gen Pop a little bit. And I'm like, okay. like. <laughs> so let's let, let's clarify a couple things. Um, so ceremonial, these are peptides that uh, you can get. And uh, they some of them are basically are to induce the pituitary to produce your own uh, production of growth, which is very different than injecting exogenous growth hormone. Correct, Chris? Um, it's not as different as you think. Again, remember the, remember the dominoes, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not as like, it's not as out there as you would think. So you would treat Samoralin as an, as an exogenous um, uh, growth hormone? Well, it's, it's just, it's uh, you have domino number four, which would be Samoralin and domino number five, which is HGH. Gotcha. So if you're, if you're, um, cause Samoralin literally is like, <clears throat> it is growth hormone releasing hormone, you know? So it, it's, it just happens to be one domino in front of growth hormone. And then, and then growth hormone has another domino behind that, behind that, behind that. This goes back to the whole theory of where I always start my episodes. I say, surround with people that actually know more than you, and you're eventually going to learn more. I didn't know that because the way that I learned it was the peptides, whether it's uh, somorolin, testimorolin, ipomorolin, they're basically supposed to induce your own, tell your pituitary gland to go ahead and produce more of your own, where HEH was basically exogenous that you're actually putting more in there. Yeah, well, that that's a that was a big marketing push for a while, you know, to like to say that to get people to buy more growth hormone. Hard you know, facts, it works. fitness, guys. Hard <laughs> facts, fitness. This is what we're about. Knowledge and power. Uh, awesome. Any questions? I I want to dive just really quick because we've answered a lot of stuff. Um, TBC, uh, TB five hundred and BPC one five seven. What are your thoughts about that? We carry it. I had great results on my elbow when it was, I had some issues in my shoulder. Uh, I have a torn rotator. I haven't stopped doing it, but what are your takes on those peptides? I like both of them. I think they're, I think they're awesome. Um, I just did a video on my YouTube channel about TB 500. I have one coming uh, for BPC. So your body has natural signals, peptide signals that, um, that it's kind of like a fire alarm. Like whenever you get cut, you know, um, and, and you have an injury, like, how does your body know to heal itself? You know, that, that's, a, that's an amazing, like, idea. Like, how does it know just to spontaneously start 
you know, healing itself and regenerating new blood vessels that were torn. And like, how does it know to send like inflammation or, you know, uh, an inflammatory response or immune response to the area to block you from getting, and you know, all of these things start with a signal that is initiated as soon as you get an injury for your body to regenerate and rebuild. And that signal is thymosin, you know, thymosin beta one or thymosin, you know, TB 500, you know, is, is part of that, you know? So, um, so it's, it's an amazing idea. And, and, and that's just, it's a natural part of your body. So they found that if you start injecting that, then it goes through your body and it's sending this signal, Hey, everybody, we need to repair and we need to repair what? Well, I don't know. The rotator cuff is torn. Let's do that. You know, and they just start, it just starts going to work, you know, which is really, really exciting. Um, BPC uh, 157, has a couple different names, but body protection compound is one of the names of it, you know, but um, BPC is actually formed um, and it's another natural um, signaling peptide that's formed in your stomach. Believe it or not, the stomach is one of the fastest growing parts of your body. Um, we because, know that. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the stomach. Me, You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> but the stomach is like an organ itself. I mean, so the stomach, because it has to constantly regenerate because of all the acid that's in there, the acid is constantly breaking down the stomach lining and it has to rebuild and grow and rebuild and grow, you know? So um, the signal that your stomach uses to tell itself to grow more is BPC 157. So if we naturally inject that into ourselves, then it, it's, it also goes through our body and it, and it sends signals to start growing. So what's awesome about, especially BPC-157, is that, that it's been found with great, great success for a lot of intestinal issues like stomach ulcers, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. There's a lot of big time GI issues that are, uh, that are, uh, that are, um, recovered you know well with bpc 157 it, they're, they're both amazing peptides we carry it too at viking but it, it, they're they're awesome yeah the science really safe too the science supports it and in terms of dosages what do you what dosages do you recommend from a, from a medical standpoint because there's protocols that i know that i follow and i think that a lot of the issues is a lot of times people underdose primarily tb they think that hey i'm going to do it like for three days and there's whole protocols that, yeah. are, that are out there some of them are very extensive in order to heal a wound that has been you know, it has been kind of chronic in a way, if you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so really when it comes to these things, like I, uh, uh, if you, if you understand how it works, like you don't have to do anything really, really fancy, you know, um, one of the nice things about TB 500 and BPC is that there really isn't a dangerous dose you can take, you know, they just haven't, they literally haven't found one, you know, a dose that actually hurts you. Um, there are dosages that, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not getting as effective, you know, the higher and higher you go. But, but what I tell people is that if you have, if you have a, an acute injury, so something that just came on, like say, let's say tennis elbow, for instance, you know, um, taking TB 500 or BPC 157 every day for a month, 500 micrograms every day for a month, you know, um, is a, is a great first shot at it, you know, and that might fix it, you know? So, um, but I, I, I don't, uh, I think, you know, can you do all kinds of weird protocols and how many days on or off or do this much at this time and this time? I don't think you have to. Um, the, I, I, don't, I don't think it really matters that much. Um, I think you can just hit it every day. Awesome. And that, I, because I've you heard know. that you can load TB500 or there's a loading protocol for TB500 in order for you to have the best benefits. But if, if, if we can keep yeah. it simple for everybody that, where it's like, hey, hit 500 milligram, uh, micrograms a day every day for the next month. And if it heals it, so be it. If not, we extend yeah. it longer and see what happens. But you should start seeing some gradual improvements probably within a couple of weeks, correct? 
Yeah. And, you know, it depends on how bad the injury is, too. You know, so if it's if you've had like back pain for, you know, 20 years, you know, and you try and hit it for a month, I mean, it might, you know, it might get better, but we'll have to see. This is all, you know, a lot of it's a little bit of trial and error, you know, too. So one and last- it depends on everything else. It depends on your diet, depends on your activity, depends on your sleep, you know, all of this. You know, we talk so much about body chemistry today, but those factors are so, so, so huge. Like you, you can't separate one from another. And, and we always say, I think Sonia is, is, is a big proponent of this. It's not just one thing. It's everything, guys. It's mm-hmm. everything. Your diet. None of it's going to mean anything if your foundation isn't there. And we always go back to the basics, guys. Water, sleep protein feedings, like the new, like your micros, your mini, your macros. And, and it doesn't matter what you, what you do. If those things aren't first laid down, you're screwed. You can, yeah. You can forget it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to finish off with one more question with regards to those peptides, TB 500 subcutaneous, uh, BPC 157. I've heard that and I've done it uh, on the actual, as close to the injury as possible. Myth or real? People have said like anecdotally, like it, it does help, you know, injecting close to the area. I think what's a better question is where is the, where is the area? Like, for example, okay, so, so if I had tennis elbow, tennis elbows on the lateral um, epicondyle, like out here, right? So um, like right where, right where this muscle belly starts to come around to, to here, you know? So right over here, like I, I practiced um, orthopedic surgery, upper extremity, you know, for for five years. So I, I know you're not going to injure anything over here. If I wanted to inject right over here, I could do that and it would be okay. This is tennis elbow. This is golfer's elbow on this side, same thing, but on the other side, there's a nerve the size of a shoestring right here. If I come anywhere near that nerve with a needle, like on my own, like I'm going to have an ungodly experience that I will never forget the rest of my life. Oh, so really? like, yeah. So, so that's the ulnar nerve, right? That's the ulnar nerve, exactly, right there. The funny. So, for you guys who can't see it, like it's the inside of the elbow. It's it's a motherfucker when you when you mess with that ulnar yeah. nerve. It, it's the it's the zing that you can't forget. Yeah. So try coming near it with a needle, you know. So, yeah. So so I don't care how much how many like five or ten percent better I get with BPC one fifty seven. I'm not injecting anywhere near that, no matter what. I don't care. Like so, I've been um, injecting there, so I'm going to be very careful now. <laughs> yeah, dude, I would. You know, so so like you know, sub Q sub Q is is you still get good benefits, and you know gotcha. you can stay safe if you're the least bit concerned about you know where you're injecting. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. That's all I have to say. Is wow. I mean, we can yeah. definitely have we another hour and continue probably going go on another like Whatever. two episodes with this actually this is our second episode technically because we recorded the, <laughs> we forgot yeah. to record the first one C- courtesy yeah. of ron here uh, so i'm going to finish off with one question that we didn't address and I, I know a lot of guys uh men that are doing exogenous are concerned with this at what point and how do you dictate um blood donation ah uh, okay yeah yeah I forgot about rbc blood so donation. So, well, it's important to look at your labs. And that's the nice thing about this is that, you know, we can, uh, nothing happens real fast. You can look at your labs and see if you need to donate blood. Um, we look at your red blood cell count, your hemoglobin, but especially your hematocrit. Your hematocrit is the one to, to, that, to pay very close attention to. That's the one that's usually the most consistent. All of those numbers are affected by your hydration level. So, you know, if you're a 47 one day and then you get super dehydrated, you might be a 50, you know, the next day. So, 
you know, it's always good to stay hydrated just for that purpose alone. When you get to 50 of a hematocrit, that's when it's time to donate. When you get to 52.5, you know, that's when, you know, you're going to start feeling things, you know, fatigue, you know, usually when you get in the mid fifties, you know, that's when you've let it go too far. Headaches, erectile dysfunction, shortness of breath, walking up a flight of stairs, your blood pressure goes up. Your blood is essentially getting thicker than what it's supposed to. So blood flow gets affected by that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll feel it. Your performance in the gym will go down. Like you'll get, you'll get winded if you try and do like deadlifts or something like you. Yeah. It, so um, you start to get dizzy, even like standing up too fast. Um, when you get to 60, 60 of a hematocrit is the danger zone. And that's when you're talking um, blood clots, heart attack, stroke, you know, um, those things that you don't want, you know, those things are very real, but like in reality though, if you're doing like, if you're doing um, medically managed testosterone therapy, like with all of my guys, with all my men, um, we talk about it all the time. Right. They donate, you know, I usually have them donate two, three times a year, you know, usually does a trick. If you do that, you, for the most part, it's a non-issue. Now I have, now if you have sleep apnea, for instance, sleep apnea, that's uncontrolled, that's going to make you build red blood cells and you're on testosterone. So you just had a double whammy, you know? So if you're on testosterone and DECA and Anivar and other, you know, that's going to make you build red blood cells even faster, faster, faster. So you got to pay attention to it closer, you know? Wow. That's all I got to say. And it's funny you mentioned the sleep apnea because I know somebody that's on, on, on I don't want to say heavy PEDs, but somewhat heavy PEDs and uh, he has sleep apnea. <laughs> but he doesn't donate blood. So it's very possible. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of people that have these misconceptions of I'm going to jump on testosterone. I'm going to jump on DECA. And by the way, I just read a study last night. I was like up until like, God knows what time uh, DECA can stay in your system up to a year. You can read, you can test positive for DECA up to a year and a half. Have you heard that? Mm, I don't know about that one. That's, that was yeah. an interesting thing. That. Maybe I, 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 one random study or trial trial and error I mean, who knows yeah. it's just something that sometimes you read and you're like i need to ask because i'm curious but in any case yeah. i don't have any more questions uh sonia any more questions no i mean like i like we always say guys we're 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 we talk about ped we talk about peptides we talk about hrt we are pro educated decision our goal with this podcast is to provide tons of information for you guys to make the best choices to live the best quality of life and to take your results to the next level. So maybe that isn't bodybuilding. Maybe that's just having tons of energy, getting up and going skiing with your family every weekend and not feeling sore. Maybe it is stepping on stage at the Olympia. Either way, we want to provide all the information you guys need to get there. Chris, you've been absolutely just, I do I do swear, absolutely fucking amazing. We were so excited <laughs> to have you on and you absolutely delivered. I feel like we could have gone on forever and ever. Chris, when you are not, you know, riding your motorcycle and fixing fast cars down in Florida, <laughs> where can people find you? How can people get in contact with you? Drop some of your information for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So you can definitely check me out on my YouTube channel, Real Science with Chris Neal. Um, and uh, I, I, I've got some more videos I need to put out. So I enjoy that. Also, vikingalternative.com. That's the clinic that, um, that I'm the clinical supervisor there. You can, uh, I, I do have free consultations. You can schedule a free consultation so we can talk about everything, go through stuff. You know, I've got my Viking, Viking hat here. So, yeah, <laughs> about that. We so, love yeah. So, so, yeah, just hit me up. Uh, uh, and um, and we, we love taking care of people. You know, at Viking, we offer a lot of different stuff, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm here for you. I love. I love working with Ron and all the guys there, you know, men and women, you know, we, we take care of uh, all of this stuff. So we love it. We really awesome. Enjoy it. 
Well, Chris, thank, thank you, you guys. so much. And for our listeners listening, just remember that you don't have to live in Florida to message them and get a consultation and work with them. Ron and I live in Seattle. Ron works with them. So we're, you know, don't feel like if you're looking for a good practitioner to, to, to hesitate in reaching out. And next week, guys, we're super excited. We're going to be switching up a little bit. We talked about peptides and PEDs. We're going to be going back to foundations. We're bringing it back to gut health next week. We have Travis Zipper on next week, and we're going to be talking about one of those foundations, right? Because when we're looking at thyroid, when we're looking at liver, when we're looking at weight gain or next level results, we have to look at the gut. Um, So we're super excited to come back in on that one. As always, if you guys have questions, follow us at Team Amino Peer. Drop those questions in the DM, and we would be happy to serve you. Great to have Chris, Sonia. Thank you for for being part of this every week. Uh, our goal, as always, as Sonia's mentioned, is putting the best information out for you guys. This is a wealth of knowledge, wealth of information today. I hope you guys enjoyed it, Chris. I'm going to ask you to put a commitment live right now to come back okay. to our show again. No, oh, for sure, man. If you don't, yeah, oh, for sure. Saying. Yeah, We'd love to have sure. you back. Talk about some for science sure. stuff and uh, promote your, your, your YouTube by all means. Anyone that has uh, any issues whatsoever, reaching Chris, uh, reach out to us at Team Amino underscore Amino Pure on Instagram. Uh, Chris is my go-to guy whenever I have issues and he's never, he's always delivered. So with that being said, guys, uh, thank you for your attention. Thank you for supporting us on a weekly basis. Thank you for everything you do. And like, like I always like to finish, God first, guys, family second. Without that, you can't go wrong. And thank you again, and we are out.